2: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and more. Also on Dash Radio every single day at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's on their Nothing But Net channel. Also check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. We got Royal Shepard hosting the post-up show there right now. That should be fun. Also check out FiveReasonsSports.com. FiveReasonsSports.com. Brady Hawk posting his takeaways from the Heat's latest loss. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We mention them all the time, they're based in North Miami, just south of the Golden Glades. Great people. They handle everything at this law firm, literally everything. Whatever you can think of, they do it, whether it's immigration, divorce, uh, everything. They do it. But one of the things that they do really, really well is personal injury. So if you've had any kind of an issue, make sure that you go to them. You can go to onecalllegal.com. O-N-E, calllegal.com. The phone number is 855-5000-LAW. That's 855, like Jason Williams, 5000 000- Law. If you mention five reasons, you'll get a free consultation. They'll assess your situation, determine if you have a good case. With 24-7 availability, they'll make sure you work directly with an attorney to get the compensation that you deserve. I've had a couple of friends have gone to them. They've had great experiences because they are great people and they've been with us since the very beginning. So support the sponsors that support us and we only line up with sponsors that we believe in. So it's the Seltzer Mayburg Law Firm, 855-5000-LAW. And now, tonight's episode.
1: One, two, three, four, five. On the floor.
3: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Silvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
2: All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor no greg Sylvander tonight we have capably replaced him in addition to alex Salito. we've got ariel atias did i do that correctly or like on the fifth try on this podcast <laughs> i'm going to get it right
4: it's it's still atias but uh, the first name's good so we're making some progress
2: change it so that it makes it easier for me all right oh, we've we. got we <laughs> we got ariel on here after the miami heat uh pretty much i mean i felt like this was a rerun guys uh and, and not that it was altogether surprising but pretty much the exact same thing that happened the night before the heat get off to a good start tonight. They scored 31 against Denver in the first quarter the night before it was 34 against Phoenix in the first quarter. And then the second quarter was a total bleeping bleep show. Uh, They get outscored 34 to 18. They give up 36 in the third. So the middle two quarters, they get outscored 70 to 48. The fourth quarter was pretty much an afterthought. There was never really a feeling they were going to get back into this game. Bam was more aggressive from the very start. You could say that he scored 21 on seven of 16. Uh, give Jimmy some credit for playing through the injury, but he wasn't really himself had 13 points, uh, nine assists he did have, and also three steals. But, but guys, I'm going to mention a couple of other numbers here. And then I want to get to kind of the point here. Um, Tyler hero with two of 10 from the field, one of five from three and minus 14 on the game, five points. Um, I mean, Duncan Robinson made three threes, uh, but but basically, I, I keep coming back to the same thought and, and I hate to say it, but we are now, you know, essentially, you know, we got the season. The end of the season is in sight at this point. And this team is average, right? I mean, I mean, can we is Alex, can we say anything else at this stage? They're, they're average. They don't challenge the really good teams in the league for very long and they struggle with the bad teams. That, that's an average team.
3: I think they definitely performed like an average team. Uh, throughout most of the season, you know, they've been really up and down. They, they've had their win streaks. They've had their losing streaks. We know about the context of the, you know, the beginning of the season with the, you know, the COVID contact tracing, and all of that, Jimmy missing games, Goron declining. I think the roster, when it's healthy, is a good team. I think they're a real playoff team when they're healthy. I think the team that's been out there the last couple of nights just – I mean, the, I don't know what's going on. Like the offense, I just think they don't have enough. And God forbid Eric Spolster ever hear that, but they just don't have enough, especially when besides the fact that Goran's been declining, like when, whether he's there or not, it's it's not good. He just hasn't looked good, period, right? And then when they're without him, it still looks bad because the guys that uh, come in as plug-and-play guys would be nice plug-and-play guys if you had other creators. But The problem is your only creator is Jimmy, and you have Bam being a facilitator, and you, you programmed him into being more of a – facilitator than a scorer and then you're just missing like a lot of parts like Tyler looks better when when you have more creators around him the same thing happened in the finals like he just started to struggle a lot more when you take away the other creators and he just can't do that efficient stuff night to night especially if he's just on the ball a lot more I just think when you take away a couple of these pieces the rest of the guys just look a lot worse than they usually do and Jimmy was definitely not right tonight so there was just a lot going on and you know that second quarter was horrible. That that second quarter really set the tone for the rest of the game. They scored what was it, seventeen points in the second? In the second, like
2: yeah, they they got eighteen. And I mean, but it, there's always a sub twenty-two quarter in there, uh, and yep. and that and and it's the quarter that absolutely kills them. And and Ariel, that's kind of what I want to get to uh, here. Is you know we keep talking about when they get healthy, when they get healthy, when they get healthy. But I mean, Goran hasn't been. Whether Gordon's healthy or not right now, he hasn't been good. So I, I don't know how big a difference that would have made. And, and I, I do understand Alex's point here. It's like you take one piece away from this team. I think our old friend Alf actually tweeted this today that, you know, they're like Jenga. Like you, you take one piece out and the whole thing collapses. But, you know, you look at Denver tonight, you just took a major, major piece away from them. I know they've lost a couple straight. But, they, I mean, a, a guy who's a premium scorer in this league, who has been coming into his own, you take him out tonight. It's like okay, Michael Porter. Good Jr. luck fronting
3: Jokic. Good luck fronting Jokic and and taking Bam off of him.
2: Well, uh, so Ariel, how does that? I mean, I, I mean, again, if you're if you're looking at you know what happened to Denver, I mean, Denver, there's no excuse tonight for Denver. They just outplayed them.
4: There frequently isn't necessarily an excuse, but there are reasons that these kind of games happen to the Heat, and a big part of that is the soft switching, in my opinion. I know that a lot of it is by design and it's probably what the coaching staff wants players like bam and the other guys on the roster to do but it's most egregious when bam does it um off ball where it's not necessarily needed because what ends up happening is a guy like duncan robinson or another wing who just absolutely cannot check a guy like nikola Jokic, the mvp front runner under the rim or near the basket the end result of that is you get out rebounded forty-three to thirty tonight? That's really bad. The Heat are a team that is, you know, they're not going to overwhelm most teams with talent necessarily. But what they need to do is play with maximum effort. This team is at its best when it's switching all over the court and attacking, attacking the glass. The guards and wings need to get in there and help out under under the boards. But it's tough when Bam is consistently switched out on the perimeter. And, you know, it's a mismatch every single time. They got out-rebounded last night against Phoenix. Uh, I think it was like 48-36, to and we saw a lot of the same tonight. The offense has actually been fine. I mean, at least tonight, they shot 49% from the field, 40% from three. They made most of their free throws. They were all right, but Alex hit the nail on the head in saying that when you don't have Victor Oladipo, and given that Goron is just not that guy anymore, it can't just be Jimmy who's the only guy who's consistently putting his head down and getting to the rim. So it's the lack of consistent rim pressure, which collapses the defense and opens things up for them offensively. But when the offense is not a problem, big problem is um, they're just not able to execute their scheme to maximum effectiveness if they're not playing at 100%. Now, some of that is due to playing on the second night of a back-to-back in Denver, a place where they never win. But frankly, they've just got to play harder. They're not a team that's going to overwhelm you with talent.
3: I think we've learned, and I, I love what you're talking about here, Ariel. I think we've learned this season that uh, all these different coverages they've thrown out and that keeps leaning more and more towards uh, either just switching BAM on, on the perimeter or, or straight up trapping and then helping from the backside. And like you said, having a smaller person help there. I mean, look, tonight was just like, there was. I I really thought they had no shot doing that scheme. Like, I think the scheme in general on defense has been good for them. They're usually pretty good at executing it, but they have these off nights where it's like, if it's a step slow you're getting dusted right especially versus these good teams who have a lot of options and guys who can take advantage of uh, take advantages of these small windows like you saw last night Chris Paul starting to adjust quarter by quarter beating the trap before it even got there finding and you know uh, either finding the open man right away or, or leading to the hockey assist because Chris Paul is just that good. And then t- tonight you have it from the other side of the trap where Jokic is just, just like, he's going to carve that up every single time. And I like Trevor Ariza a lot as a guy who can help out in that situation, right? Like if you have Bam switching onto perimeter, I really like Ariza as a guy who can front and you have the the rest of the defense, you know, like the, uh, helping. They did that really well during the playoffs against Giannis. They did it really well uh, in in the versus the Lakers, except they they just didn't have the guys. I think that the scheme is good once it's executed properly. And I think like tonight was absolutely a team. It's just like you were going to get diced up. I, I, it was just not even a question to me. And the offense is like, yeah, they, their percentages were good, which I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. They just took 10 less shots than the Nuggets. And like you said, they got out rebounded and, and that was Always going to happen when you when you trap like that and just leave Jokic there on the boards versus smaller guys. I just think tonight was one of those nights where, you know, everything was wrong. Everything, including the the game plan.
2: Well, but that's two straight nights that everything was wrong, and I know they're going against very good Western Conference teams.
3: They're completely outmatched.
2: They well, okay, and see that's, <laughs> but that gets back to my original current iteration. Point. I mean, but but that I understand, but that gets back to my original point. We have not seen the full iteration enough this season because of whether it was Jimmy out or Dragic out and declining or now Ola depot out, we haven't seen it. And at a certain point, you know, and this came up when I was on with Ira on Onside about a week ago, at a certain point, you just sort of say, okay, it's just not going to happen. And I don't want to be, you know, we don't have Greg on here, you know, who I know is going to be a little sunnier on this type of stuff. And, and typically I try to be, but it's, I'm just getting to the point with this team where I'm like, okay, can they make a run in a playoff series? Well, if they get the right matchup, if they're get a little bit healthier, but I just, I haven't seen it. I, I just, we haven't, we saw for that one stretch where they were playing particularly well when Jimmy came back. But other than that, and, and I know that one of the counters that's going to come up here as well, they weren't playing well before the COVID break last year. And then you know, they didn't even start that well in the bubble. They were, they were, I don't really count three and five because they didn't really care about that eighth game, but they were three and four. Okay. They were competitive in a lot of those games, but you saw signs. Okay. You saw signs that they had a game they could go to. They were shooting the ball. Well, I I just, other than, you know, I mean, they do play stretches of some suffocating defense, but even as Ariel mentioned, there's a, there's a, a fatal flaw in the defensive system, which is that, They're soft switching everything all the time, and they're taking a guy who is one of their two best defenders, and they're essentially you know putting him in a spot where then he can't cover for anybody else, and I don't know exactly how they fix that. I mean, Ariel, they've gotten more out of Trevor Ariza than anybody could have anticipated. The guy did not play for a year; it still hasn't really mattered in terms of the overall results.
4: So I'm just going to give you a little bit of pushback on the Trevor Ariza thing because I succinctly remember you know, blowing the horn on Trevor Reza, saying that he was going to be the starter for this team. I expected him to step in and play this role. Like I said, though, the problem is when you're a team, a try-hard team, if you don't play with 100% effort every single night, you're simply going to lose more games. Now, last year, it was obviously different, right? Because... Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, guys like that had come out of nowhere and weren't at the top of everybody's scouting reports. But now the book is out. Everybody knows what the Heat are trying to do on offense. Goron was good. Correct. Goron was good. The offensive. Thing,
2: pro- yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the offensive profile is very similar to what it was last year. It hasn't changed much. The difference is mm-hmm. um it's, it's on the game plan. Everybody knows that Bam is consistently looking for the handoff, and Goron isn't the quite the player that he was last year. He's lost a step. And the adjustment, I think, needs to be made primarily by Bam to mm-hmm. look for the dribble handoff less, fake the dribble handoff, whatever it is, turn, face the basket, get going downhill, because when he does that, he is a monster. He is borderline unstoppable.
2: He was early in this game, but I, there's one point you made here, and I think we should actually close this portion of the episode with this. You said when they're a try-hard team, you know, if you don't do it consistently, that you're going to get beat. And I'm with you on this team. This team is not talented enough, in my view, even when fully whole, um, to just overwhelm anybody with talent. Brooklyn can do that. The Lakers, when they're whole, can do that. The Clippers at times can do that. Most majority, large majority of teams in the league can't do that. This is not one of the teams that can do that. So I will ask this question because again, I've covered 25 of these seasons at this stage. I've seen try hard teams and I've seen not so try hard teams. Okay. We saw that 16, 17 team, the second half of the season, that was an ultimate try hard team. They didn't try as hard the next year. Um, The 06 champions, they tried hard for like a month behind Dwayne. And that's why they won a championship and they didn't try at all for the next two years. Why do we think, what is your theories on why the effort has not been as consistent this year? Is it the short layoff? Is it maybe frustration that they can't get the team together? Is it something maybe you think that Spolstra is doing? Like, what are, what are your theories on why we're not seeing that kind of maniacal effort from this team every night?
3: I mean, I think it's just tough. I think what they do is really, really hard on both ends of the floor. Like you see on offense, they're constantly, even though they play at such a slow pace, they're laboring for points. And and we talk about this, like they're constantly getting less shots than their opponent, right? And that's obviously a, a symptom of the slow pace that they play at, but it's because not only do they not get offensive rebounds, but a lot of times like they're waiting for the sets to set up. And if they don't get the looks that they want, they look for other, you know, they, they, I give them props for having patience and always trying to get good looks and, and playing team basketball and all of that. But at the end of the day, and, and there's your quota for the day, uh, Jimmy and Bam and, and shout out to uh, I want to say his handle is the Angry Heat fan on Twitter. Uh, he's, you know, great follow. He he was pointing out that like your two best players, Jimmy and Bam, have lower usage than other guys at, you know, as at their stature, of their stature, like the guys who are the two best players in the team, the guys who the team run, run around, like their, their role is almost like as much as a facilitator as it is a scorer. And so I just think when, in times like this, when you're missing other guys like that, the really simple answer is Jimmy and Bam need to attack more. Like it's, it's really that simple because you can't just have them running the same system and you're missing two big time, or at least in your, in your team, big time creators. Like, I just think they really don't have enough offensively. And then you talk about on the defensive end, they constantly, everybody's helping and switching all the time. That is really, really, really hard to execute perfectly all game, especially versus teams like this one, where there's just such gigantic mismatches that you're going to get constantly beat on. I just feel so bad for Trevor Ariza and Duncan Robinson, who had to constantly switch onto Jokic and take that beating. I know they're going to feel it tomorrow. I just think they're, they're doing a whole lot to try to win games, And in the BAM conversation, it's as much on BAM as it is on Spo. I really do think it's 50-50. BAM needs to want it more, but Spo needs to put him in positions to become a scorer and not just keep him so far away from the basket all the time. I know you've made this point, Ariel. I just think there's a whole lot going on right now, and it's not great.
2: Ariel, I'll let you close. Why are we not seeing them play with the same effort?
4: I think Alex made phenomenal points, probably a couple of the points that I wanted to make. so i'm I'm glad about that. But frankly, <laughs> um, I think it's kind of a perfect storm or maybe the imperfect storm of everything. It could potentially be, you know, the a lack of adjustment in the offensive attack. and that's probably on the coaching staff. But frankly, I don't really know if this team, especially when they're consistently missing, you know one, two, three of their top eight or nine guys almost every night, um, and when they are in guys like Goron, um, you know, have frankly lost a step and, and, and it's limited their effectiveness. I don't really know if there is much of an adjustment to make. And so to me, it falls more squarely on the Heat's two best players, exactly like Alex said. Um, Bam, you know, I, like Alex had mentioned, I tweeted that out the other day. Bam absolutely needs to look to score more. Mm-hmm. Eric Spolster, in my view, is absolutely the best coach in the NBA. There's not another coach I would trade him for. That doesn't mean that he is without flaw. And so to me, a big part of this is Bam needs to be put in more offensive actions where he is the number one option in terms of scoring the basketball. So maybe it's more screen and rolls with Jimmy. Maybe it's more, uh, you know, dribble handoff actions with Duncan where Bam is, is instructed to look to score first. Especially when
3: Jimmy's off the bench. Absolutely. On the bench.
4: Yeah, absolutely. He, Bam Bam is so good, man. And this is the reason we're so hard on him is because he has the ability to turn into a guy who can give you 25 a night. I truly, genuinely believe that. He has the offensive skill set. But to me, you know, it's, it's a variety of these things. Perhaps the trade rumors had some effect on some of the Heat's younger players, and those guys
2: happened. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
4: be the same players that were like really key for the heat success last year so i don't know um i don't know if if there's any one perfect answer to this i think it's a perfect or imperfect storm and it's a variety of different factors that play into this
2: all right let's uh let's get to the next part of the episode thanks ariel for stepping in here tonight thanks alex for staying up late again when we come back, I'm going to talk to Eric Brown. He challenged me on some things, and actually a lot of things we talked about earlier today kind of played out tonight. So I think you'll find it interesting. Before we do want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, bestever.com. That's dot rcom You want to simulate anything for free, former NFL teams against... Current NFL teams, you can basically play last year's Dolphins against this year's Dolphins already because you can plug the players in. They'll give you a full game story. They will give you the full stats, and you can basically settle arguments with all your friends. So it's a really cool site, bstevr.com. We're trying to get you ready for when they launch the NBA platform because we're going to be doing a lot of that on our YouTube channel and on Five on the Floor. And now my conversation with Eric Brown, who you know as 5ReasonsRealtor.com and a big Heat fan. Welcome back on five on the floor. We're here for our regular segment with our friend, Eric Brown. You can find him at That's five That's F I V E reasonsrealtorcom He's the guy you want to go to if you are buying or selling a house in South Florida. So make sure you check out that site. We'll give you some more information as we go forward. We call this se- segment value plays. It's where we bring in someone else who I'm not on here, the pod- on the podcast with every day to challenge me a little bit on some things. And Eric, uh, he makes it tough for me sometimes. So Eric, let's start with number one. Okay,
5: I wanted to uh, talk a little bit or just uh, go over a little bit the the Depot trade and the ramifications of the pick swap. Uh, from a value standpoint, and this is value plays, on second thought, I'm questioning it a little bit. What it did was, uh, in effect, we are going to swap, or, or excuse me, Houston has the option to swap the Brooklyn pick to us and take the Miami pick. Now Brooklyn, like right now, if that draft was held today, Brooklyn's like 28 would have the 28th pick and the Heat would be around 18. So it, it in effect, like 28 is like a glorified second pick. Uh, it, it actually in some ways is worth less than a first round pick because teams don't really want that You'd rather have the 31st pick and not have to pay the guy than have a 28th pick in the draft. So, in effect, we're left with no 21 first-round pick, a 22nd pick that's like really less less desirable than a second-round pick, and of course, the 23rd, uh, uh, 20, the year 23, it's the lottery. It's it's a lottery protected pick, but we don't have our our draft pick then. I'm. I just think it's a, it continues the pattern of not valuing draft picks properly, given their currency that, they, that they're that they used as now in the NBA.
2: It's interesting. Um, I don't think we've really talked about the draft pick. We've mostly talked about Olenek and Bradley, mostly Olenek because we really weren't seeing Bradley. Um, I can see it. I, I do know the way that the Heat sort of value picks, you're right. their currency to a certain degree. If you need to do it to close the deal, that's what you did. I think that's what they did in this case. Um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's funny. We always talked about how, well, Riley doesn't care about training future picks cause he won't be here when the reality is he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So, right. So, so, you know, I mean, we, I remember the Dragic trade. We talked about the draw, trade. Well, Pat won't be here in 2023. He won't be still be running the team. So it doesn't really matter. And of course, Pat is likely going to be running the team in 2023. Um, so he must not view it to be all that valuable. I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that, um, you know, the real sort of shame is not having a a pick this year because you've got this kind of double draft that came in. I I think when they, they looked forward, maybe it wasn't as big a concern, but no, I get it. And and look, um, you know, this was part of, you know, the transaction with Oladipo, which was you knew that you were essentially getting a diminished asset for a look-see and it didn't mean you were necessarily committing to him long term. In some ways, the fact that they've gotten the look-see may help govern their actions in the future because Maybe they won't invest in somebody who, if he had, let's say, stayed with Houston through the off season into the offseason, they may have invested in him without really getting a good look at him medically. And now they can get a good look at him medically. So I think all of this was part of the calculation. And again, it was viewed as kind of low risk, potentially high reward. Although I don't think they were counting on it. If Depot comes back and plays say the last week or two of the regular season, and plays well in the playoffs um, and puts himself in position where maybe he's a player you keep, I don't think anybody's going to care about the pick swap. If Oladipo does not come back or does not come back and perform well, or can't perform, you know, to the level that everybody was expecting and then does not resign, then yes, this is, this will be one of those trades that you look at and say, you know, it probably didn't work out all that well. So I, I get it. I get
5: it. But I, I think from what I'm arguing here is the value proposition and particularly now, You've enlightened enlightened me, particularly with that podcast with the guy from Indiana the other night. Yes. You know, uh, that Depot was more of a diva than I thought, Mm -hmm. that we found out that he had a strength and balance, you know, between his legs, uh, between the two legs. And and there really were no competing offers. Mm -hmm. So why are we basically throwing in a a potential mid-first-round pick
2: well, the only competing offer, Eric, could be, you know, Houston, essentially a non-offer, but Houston's decision to just basically take their ball and go home, which, which essentially is what Toronto did, right? So, you know, I mean, if you look at Toronto's situation now, and, and I don't think anybody argues against the fact that Messiah is one of the best in the game, but essentially what Toronto did was, I mean, they don't really appear to be competing right now, and yet Kyle is sort of stuck there, and I don't believe that he's going to resign, and so... I don't think it was the best decision for Toronto, not to say take a Duncan Robinson, for instance, and evaluate him and perhaps pay him, but they made that decision. Houston could have made the same decision. They just could have just said, we didn't like any offers. So again, I, I understand you say Miami competing against themselves. And I think in a lot of ways here they were, um, but also they were also competing to stay competitive this year. Right. And, and at the time, if you can get a guy who was a former all-star and evaluate him, that's why I didn't really have a big issue with the trade. And I don't really look at the Olympic numbers now as anything significant because we know Kelly wasn't doing that consistently here. So,
5: I, I have no I, problem with the players. It's just when I stopped and well. really thought about what they did with the draft pick, uh, I, it, it, it bothers me a little bit. It just like I say, it, they just don't value draft picks properly considering today's environment.
2: All right, let's get to number two. Okay.
5: Um, I wanted to ask you, and uh, I'll take you back to when you took your SATs. <laughs> so listen to the question carefully.
2: My, my, my daughter's six and a half and taking SATs. I don't even really understand oh my how God. that happened. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. She's, she's been doing it for two weeks. Go, go ahead.
5: Which of the following most, here you go, the keyword, which of the following most accounts for the difference in the heat between the uh, contending team we saw in the bubble and the 500 team that we've seen this season? Uh, number one, uh, the front office decision to wait on Giannis. Two, Tyler Hero's lack of development. Three, Bubble Gore and Dr- Dragic versus this year's version. Version. Four, poor performances of the those uh, front office off-season acquisitions of Harkless and Bradley, like I.E. the failure to replace Crowder right away. Uh, five, they just front office just fell in love with the bubble roster too much like they've done with a couple other rosters in the past or six better Eastern conference competition or seven something else. So which of the following most wow. accounts for the difference?
2: I, I, I wish you hadn't given me this, the, the, this something else. Um, because if I had enough time, I probably would think of something else. Let, let, let me give you of the ones you gave me. I have a feeling where you may go here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Tyler. Um, I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, Tyler statistically actually now is a little better than he was in the bubble. So I I understand that there've been holes in his game this year, but I don't think that's the reason for this. Um, the Eastern conference competition, I don't think is an issue. They've been losing to bad teams too. I, I don't, I don't really feel. And the reality is, they're actually, you know, at times the past week and a half, they've been in a higher seed than they finished last year. So I, I don't, I don't think it's that. Um, the front office. We're also
5: going to have games as we speak from being in the lottery.
2: No, I get it. But, but they also may finish fourth. Fi- they may finish fifth again. So I, I don't, I I don't think it's Eastern conference. Um, the, the front office off season acquisitions. I mean, I don't, I mean, again, they, they tried to patch that now with at least, I mean, at the very least, they've got Ariza. We'll see what Dedman is and Bielitsa. I, I mean, yes, were mistakes made. Absolutely. And I think that ties in with the honest thing, but I don't think that's the reason for the struggle. I, I am going to go off the board, actually. I mean, to me, of the ones you choose, I think it's Goron. Um, Honestly, I, I think, Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I think we're, we're under, it's not what I would choose as number one, by the way, but, um, and I'll give you that in a second, but I think it's Goron. I think Goron played at a level last year in the in the bubble that nobody was really anticipating he would play at. I mean, that was essentially All Star Goron, which I don't think we still thought he had in him, and he has not been All Star Goron this year, or really lately anything reasonably close. Um, so I don't. I, I would say Goron to me would be the first of yours. I'm gonna go off the board though. I think that's why it's there. I I think the biggest issue is that Jimmy Butler hasn't played enough games because they're 24 and 15 when he plays. So, I mean, if you're going to make an argument that, you know, what they've missed the most, I mean, they've been basically on an 82 game pace about a 49 to 50 win team when Jimmy plays um, even with all the other issues that they've had. So, I mean, that's not that much worse. I mean, look in the bubble, they were three and five before the playoffs, um, I know that may not have been representative cause they were kind of gearing up and they didn't really care about seed, but I think it's, I think I would say number one is Jimmy not playing enough games. And number two is Goran not playing like the, the Goron we saw last year. Those would be my two choices.
5: So what you're basically saying is that they still are a contender when we get to the playoffs.
2: Because mm, no, because I don't think they problem. have that. Gor- I don't think they have that Goron again. See that. See that's to me. That's that's I, I think Jimmy makes them competitive if he's playing. But Eric, I don't I don't think we're going to see that Goron again. Like I think if if you saw that and, and I think part of the acquisition of Oladipo cycling back to your first question today, if they got the Oladipo, you know, in the lineup that we started to see in his last game here, then I think not having Goran play at a Goran level oh. is not as big a deal. But if you don't have Oladipo and you've got a Dragic who can't turn the corner and doesn't really get to the rim to finish anymore, then and is, you know, still, as we know, a liability defensively, then to me, that is the deficit from last year. They, they're a bad offensive team when he plays this year. And that was not the case in the bubble last season, particularly as it became a starter in the playoffs.
5: You really are cheating a little on your SATs because I'm going under the assumption that Butler's playing and I'm still saying that they're, uh, not a contender, and you're agreeing with me, but then you're saying that uh, <laughs> that's the reason. So I, th- well, I think you cheated but, a little but, bit, but, again, but we do again. agree. Because it, it, to me, it absolutely, without a question, is Gorn. If, if you look at um, his career as like a, a fireworks display, the, the bubble was the grand finale. with yeah. just, all kinds of light and bright and explosions everywhere. And then the lights went out, and there's no more show, and everybody went home.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, that's and, and I hate to say it because he's one of my all-time favorites, um, but they're going to have a decision to make this off-season. I mean, can they can they squeeze some Manu years out of him, right? Like that, I think that's where we're at. Like, you know, Popovich sort of did that masterfully in the last few years of, of Ginobili's career. There obviously are a lot of similarities there with Goron. I mean, can he? They squeeze that out of Goron at this stage, but the complicating factor is I've been told repeatedly: as long as Jimmy is here, Goron's here. So, I mean, they have they have to play into that. And I just I love Goron to death, and and I I there's no one on this team I want you know to win a, to have win a championship more. He he has put the blood, sweat, and tears in on this thing, and he doesn't have one. And he he missed. He was robbed of his opportunity last year but I just think we've got to recalibrate our expectations with him at this stage. You know, he, what made him special was his ability to attack and finish. And, you know, he, he's been a plus three point shooter later in his career, but that that's not what it was about. So I would say Gora of the ones you gave me, it's Goran. But if you're to say to me, you know what has been the difference in the games they've lost this year? Or the difference is that they have.
5: That's a different question. Okay, well then I'll go. Then
2: then I'll go, then I'll go with Goron. All right, we got we got time literally for for one minute here. So you get, throw me the last one. I'll see if I can answer it quick.
5: Okay, just out of curiosity, who would you like to see the Heat play uh, in the playoffs? This has. Are this you talking is, first
2: round? Are you talking eventually? It,
5: it just it just the matchup you most want to see, regardless of how it helps them progress or just the matchup you want to see mano a mano.
2: Um, Well, the Nets matchup, I I have a bad feeling would be ultra non-competitive at this stage if they're all healthy. So I I don't really need to see that, I guess Uh, the buck series. We've seen that, that story before. Uh, So to me, I, I, you know, we saw Philadelphia a few years ago. I think Philadelphia would be interesting. And I know I'm going to contradict myself by saying, well, we've seen this before, I kind of think a Boston rematch would be compelling. I, you know, I mean that team has, has gone all kinds of sideways, but so have the heat. It would be interesting to see which of the two teams could kind of get to their game quicker um, than last year. The Atlanta series doesn't interest me. The Charlotte series, they've got some interesting young players, but I think that series would be infuriating uh, in a lot of different ways um, with all the random scrub heat killers and all the rest of that stuff. I, I don't know. I, I, there's not one that like jumps off the board to me, but I would say in the East, which is probably where this thing is going to end this year, uh, I would say bring the Celtics on again and see if Miami can recapture a little of that magic.
5: I want to see them play the Sixers mm-hmm. without question. I mean, I may be a little bit partial because I grew up in Philadelphia. I saw contacts <laughs> there, but I, I was speaking with uh, Spike Eskin who does mm-hmm. the – writes to Ricky Sanchez podcast. That's the, uh, the podcast for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and uh, I was asking him, you know, what he thought about the Sixers chances. And he said, you know, he was a little fearful of the Nets, but against the Heat and the Bucks, he thought it was a 50-50 proposition. So I said, why, what, what bothers you about the Heat? He said, he doesn't think that Butler would lose to the Sixers. He said yeah. he'd rather yeah. die. Once, once yeah, you,
2: you, you, you know what? Now that you mention it, the, the Jimmy thing, yes, yes. I, I, I think you would get the most locked-in Jimmy you've ever gotten, which, I, you know, when you talk about what he did in the finals, is a strong statement. But, uh, yeah, because he, here's the thing about it. The guy who got pushed to the side there, Elton Brand, is the one who wanted to keep Jimmy. Um, he doesn't have anything against Daryl Morey, but the owner is among those who wanted Jimmy out um, or at least d- didn't see Jimmy as the key piece. Um, and that was kind of him and Brett Brown together. So I think he would but like. They, to-
5: chose, they chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy.
2: Well, they also they chose to a certain degree. They chose Tobias Harris and Al, Al Horford, too. I mean, if, if you want to you know really look at it. So I, I, I think I think shoving it to Josh Harris. I mean, I, I said this on the podcast the other night. Um, you know, a broadcaster in Minnesota said C.J. McCollum was better than Jimmy a few years right. ago. And even though Jimmy really likes C.J. McCollum, from what I understand, he has basically taken it upon himself to make C.J. McCollum's life miserable ever since. So that's who we're dealing with here. Um, you would get you would get enraged, Jimmy, which I actually think would be great theater. All right, Eric, where do Sign people find me up you? up for that one. <laughs> yep. Where do people find you?
5: Five FiveReasonsRealtor.com. Uh, all the information you need there to contact me and uh, be happy to help you with any any kind of real estate needs. You have any kind of questions.
2: Yeah. Well, he'll also ask you six questions. He'll ask you a six part question too, but he'll make sure you get the house. (laughs) I'd be glad to answer
1: it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Appreciate it. Right. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.